BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Your Ben Jarofsky Show for Thursday, December 19th is just moments away. But before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this program. First up, it's the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9, sponsor this show. As well as the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. A giant thank you to those unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this show. And, of course, today's Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by our good friends, at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Dum 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 bedubedum. Whoa 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 whoa. <laughs> One of these days it'll be a song within the last thirty years. Da 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 da. Any ba ba. I don't even know the name of that song. I think it's the Dell Vikings. Whoa 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 whoa. It's from the fifties, man. Hey, the 50s. Whoa. The that's Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Thursday, December 19th, and live from the Chicago Sun Times, Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, progressive politics within these times writer Miles Camp-Lassen, impeachment and pensions with union man Jeff Johnson, and its Cook County Commissioner, Brandon Johnson. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Benny J. Benjarovsky. Hello, everybody. Benjarovsky here. We're calling this Crybaby Thursday. And here's why. Woke up this morning to the sounds of sobbing. <laughs> it was Republicans, D, crying like the little babies that they are over the impeachment of President Donnie Trump. I'm going to sum up what those crybaby Republicans were saying. It was so unfair. It's so partisan. It's so unnecessary. <laughs> It's so mean. It's so cruel. They're so vindictive. They only want to undo the election of 2016, which, by the way, we only won because of that crazy electoral system. <laughs> I've never seen anything like it. Nance Pelosi is so mean. Man, to hear those crybaby Republicans, you would have think that the Democrats invented nastiness in politics. I could go on and on and on about how nasty, mean, racist, anti-Semitic, if it has to be, Republicans will be in order to win an election. But let me just go back to the impeachment of Billy Clinton back in the 1990s. Now, D, you're always giving me a hard time for going back in time, but at least I'm not going back to the 50s to sing dum, 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 ba doo ba dum whoa, 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 whoa. Sorry, I just had to get that song out of my system a little while. No, I'm going back to the 90s. Even you were around in the 90s, yeah, right? Was, yeah. I think Miles may have been around yes. a little bit in the 90s. So I'm not going back, back that far. 
president of the United States was one William Jefferson Clinton. He got himself in a whole bunch of mess because he's a unfaithful lying dog. There you go. And uh, was playing around in the White House. Actually, the Republicans started investigating Bill Clinton from the moment he entered the White House. So there are a lot of parallels between what the Republicans did to Billy C. in 1992 and what the Democrats have done to Donald J. Trump. But it's funny. I didn't hear Republicans crying back in the 1990s when they were doing it to Billy C. They were looking for everything and anything they could to find on him, to undercut his presidency. They had so many investigations going. They're looking at real estate deals from years before. They were accusing him of murder. Even now today, Dennis and I, we hear tapes of comedians accusing Billy Clinton of murder based on Republican investigations from the 1990s. Yeah, yeah just one, Norm MacDonald. <laughs> a couple others, too. Maybe. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, they finally, it took them like five years they caught him. They got him lying about being unfaithful, lying about having a sex outside the marriage, lying about his affairs with Monica Lewinsky, and they nail him. They had him dead to right. Let's face it. it, had nothing to do with being president. It had nothing to do with anything facing the country. But they had him, and they went with it, and they had impeachment. They could, since they controlled the Congress, they rammed impeachment through. Got to send it to the Senate, which the Democrats controlled. So it's very similar to what's going on today. I would say there's way more legitimacy in the Democratic investigation, but in terms of just the basic setup, very similar. And they were really out, outraged. The Republicans in the 90s, they said there was a principle here. A president cannot lie. How about that? Standing up for the notion that a president can't lie. Trump lies every day he wakes up. Well, and now they just kind of go, well, <laughs> that's just Trump being Trump. All right, but back then it was a president cannot lie. Moreover, a president has to be true. He sets a he. The president is like the chief figure in our country. The lessons that he that we take from the presidency affect our children. What are they going to think if they see us condoning behavior of this president in the White House who's playing around with women who are not his wife? Well, then, guess what, man? This was unbelievable. It turns out that Newt Gingrich, who was the Speaker of the House when they uh, launched the proceedings into Clinton, turns out he was playing around uh, with a woman who's not on his wife, so he had to step down. They replaced him with a gentleman named Robert Livingston. I'm probably the only guy in America who remembers this dude. Turns out he had played around with a woman who's not his wife. He had to step down. They replaced him with a dude named Denny Hastert, who was an old wrestling coach here uh, in the western suburbs, and he was the Speaker of the House when the Republicans impeached Billy Clinton. Guess what? 20 or so years later, Denny Hester wound up in prison because it turns he was turns out he was covering up his being a sexual predator to some of the kids on his wrestling team. How about that for the Republicans? Just the unremitting hypocrisy of it all. That they impeached Billy Clinton anyway. They worked themselves up into a real moral lather. In fact, I have just to quote somebody, a Republican that I know. And this article was sent to me last night by uh, a, a listener to the show and a longtime reader, Lauren. He was so outraged uh, by this article that he dug up. I didn't even dig up this article, but this article is written by uh, Dennis's favorite columnist in the city of Chicago. One, jump shot Johnny Cass. That's John Cass, not to be confused with Johnny Cash. There you go. All right. And uh, John Cass. Uh, I love him. <laughs> Chicago Tribune columnist. 
big time supporter of Donald John Trump, thinks it's so unfair that the Democrats are impeaching him. And in the 1990s, he had a different uh, view on the world. He was a huge supporter of the impeachment of Billy C. And this is what he wrote at the critical time when the uh, Congress was coming together to vote on whether they should impeach uh, Bill Clinton. He goes, our children are judging us on this matter. We can tell them that in America, we, it, that we could tell them that in the America we made for them, everything is relative, and it's only the money that matters, that it's the economy, stupid, which is kind of the argument that a lot of Republicans are making about Donald Trump right now. We could say to the kids that we accept the Oval Office being turned into a whorehouse because our stock portfolios have been well-fed, which is kind of an argument I hear from a lot of Republicans. Not so much that the Oval Office is turned into a whorehouse, but it doesn't really matter that Donald Trump was like paying off his mistresses to shut him up so they wouldn't talk about the fact that he was having sex with them uh, outside his marriage when his wife was uh, pregnant. We could tell them that it's acceptable to raise your hand and swear to tell the truth and then perjure yourself before a grand jury as long as the job approval poll numbers are up. Well, I can't say that Donald Trump has raised his hand and uh, sworn to tell the truth because he won't go before any uh, grand jury or any investigator, let alone raise his hand and swear to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth because he doesn't want to tell the truth. Because if he tells the truth, <laughs> it'll undercut everything he's been saying, which is a bunch of lies up to now. We can explain to our children that we support using the presidency to trash the reputations of women who have dared complain about unwelcome sexual advances as long as the president, in turn, supports our own political agendas. Well, if that doesn't sum up the Republican Party in the age of Trump, I don't know what does. Donald Trump has multiple accusations against him for sexual harassment, including some of rape. And what does Donald Trump do? Routinely trashes the reputation of the women who make those accusations and the Republican Party just bury their head, go right along with it. Thousands of years, oh, he quotes Aristotle, thousands of years ago, Aristotle set down a fundamental truth about human beings. He said, we can become brave by doing brave things. We can become cowards by doing cowardly things, that we can become good by doing good things, that we become liars by lying. He was right that our actions shape and define us. Well, that was then. Today, Republicans are absolutely doing everything that uh, John Cass accused the Democrats of doing in the 1990s. They're looking the other way as their president lies. They're looking up the other, the other way as the pre president carries on outside his marriage. They're looking the other way as the president trashes the reputation of anybody who dares to disagree with him. And they're looking the other way as the Democrats have put together a pretty solid case of Donald Trump trying to extort Ukraine into uh, just, they don't even digging up dirt on Joe Biden, just saying they're investigating Joe Biden. But... It's all about the politics right now. And so uh, the Republicans are lined up, supporting their president, crying like little babies. I'll tell you what, what was that you said uh, yesterday? It was very true. We were talking about the Chicago Democrats uh, and, the, and the mayor, uh, the mayor's lawyer, who uh, was, when he did not, when he claimed two homeowner exemptions uh, on properties, one in the suburbs and one in the city, they said it was a mistake, even though it was a rule. What was that? that oh, rules for thee, not for me. Rules for thee, not for me. It's true with Chicago Democrats, and it's really true with Republicans.
We got a great show today, everybody. Miles Conflas will be in the studio. I'm curious what he has to say about impeachment from in these times. Uh, and uh, uh, he will also talk about the debates. All this impeachment talk, D, we forgot that there's the presidential debates tonight. Uh, so we'll be talking about that. Jeff Johnson will be in the studio. A union man, pension expert. We'll be talking about pension stuff. And I know Jeff Johnson's got a thing or two to say about the impeachment. And Brandon Johnson will be here uh, at the end of the show. We'll be talking absolutely everything. Uh, Brandon uh, Johnson, Cook County Board Commissioner. We'll be talking local politics, national politics. Uh, lots of political talk ahead. But before we do any of that, the young man from Alton, the pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. They call him the doctor with the news. Hey, everybody. How's it going? My name's Dennis. Yes, President Donald Trump has been impeached. No collusion. Mm, listeners, I'm sure a lot of you would like us to keep going with the impeachment punditry. But we're going to step away from that for the moment. But like I can promise all of you that this man sitting right next to me <laughs> will be talking impeachment so much <laughs> during today's program that even you will feel like you've been impeached. <laughs> and honestly, don't worry, because he'll more than likely bring it up as we find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. Focus, Ben. Focus. Mm, rules for thee, not for me. We begin with the Chicago mayor. This little light of mine. <laughs> I'm going to let it shine. Today, Mayor Lori Lightfoot is at the Pullman Walmart with other elected officials. She's there to provide holiday toys to families, students, and community members. Did she check out what goodies were in the Walmart $5 DVD bin? Well, <laughs> she's crazy if she didn't. You'll find some good movies in that thing. All right, we're done talking about the mayor for now. <laughs> Unless, Ben, there's anything you'd like to add? No, I, I didn't know where you're... Uh, great pre-show prep on the Ben Jarofsky show. I had no idea where you're going with that. Uh, but Please I, stop admitting that. I do agree that there's some great bargains to be found in the DVD bin at uh, Walmart's. All right, no Thursday public events scheduled for our Illinois governor. Nope, J.B. Pritzker is hanging back today, probably watching some $30 Target DVD, and more than likely at the Thompson Center in some office. And I guess that's really it on Governor Pritzker. Anything you'd like to add? Mm, we'll be talking Pritzker and pensions uh, with Jeff Johnson a little later today. Okay, look forward to that, mm -hmm. listeners. So with that out of the way, let's talk local election news, huh? What do All you say? Right, let's go. All right, two Illinois candidates have made headlines today. First up, it's the actual Democrat running in the 3rd Congressional District race, Marie Newman. <laughs> So far in her second go-around for the seat, Newman has definitely led the election in big-name endorsements. Well, we got names like 2020 presidential candidates Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and Cory Booker. Former presidential candidate Kirsten Gillibrand, remember her? Mm -hmm. ah. Local figures like Congresswoman Jan Schakowsky, State Rep Kelly Cassidy, our Benny J. Bonus guest on Monday that you can also check out on YouTube, 35th Ward Alderman, Carlos Ramirez Rosa, the Cannabis Czar, Toy Hutchinson, and even the New York Congresswoman herself, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, have publicly shown their support for Marie Newman in the 3rd Congress. District. Well, we got one more to add to the list. And if you know who this person is, there's a very good chance that you have a Bernie Sanders poster, bumper sticker, thermos, something. It's Congresswoman Pramila Jayapal. She's co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. She has endorsed Marie Newman. Here's the quote from Jayapal about Marie Newman. Quote, she is dedicated to protecting the rights of immigrants, fighting for health care for all, protecting Social Security, and above all else, defending the civil rights of everyone in her community. Well, that was nice. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, looking over at uh, the endorsements for her uh, not-so-democratic opponent, Dino Dan Lipitsky. <laughs> Nothing. No, no but, endorsements. But keep in mind, Lipinski yeah. did receive an endorsement from a pretty big name uh, during the last election, House Speaker 
Nancy Pelosi. Yeah, no, that was that. Correct. Uh, I don't know how this is going to uh, unfold now. This is uh, this is an interesting race. Uh, everything is up and down in this race. Uh, Dan Lipinski, we've talked about this a lot. Dan Lipinski is the son of William P- Lipinski, uh, the former congressman from that district who literally handed the job over uh, to young Daniel. He is uh, the most conservative Democrat in the House, I would say. Uh, very much against abortion rights, uh, very inconsistent on immigration rights. Uh, I think at one point voted against Obamacare. Uh, very So, he, yes, he is very much uh, the last of the Mohicans when it comes to being a conservative, conservative Democrat uh, in, in Illinois. Uh, as such, Marie Newman ran against him in 2018, came very close to unseating him. Uh, he defeated her to, in a large degree, by mobilizing support from uh, the uh, uh, anti-abortion activists in the area who uh, flooded the, the district to pound on doors for him. But he was also the beneficiary of Nancy Pelosi's endorsement because Nancy Pelosi, as Speaker of the House, has an attitude similar to that of Michael Joseph Madigan, who is Speaker of the House here in Illinois, and that is she supports her caucus members. I don't know if she'll continue uh, to support him in this election. This will be really interesting to see how she goes here. Uh, Now, he has been walking a very uh, fine line here on the impeachment matter. And uh, the the interesting thing for Lipinski is he's concerned that if he doesn't vote for impeachment, uh, he will aggravate Democratic activists in the war in the district and will turn against him uh, in the um, uh, the primary, uh, and to the same degree, he doesn't want to upset Trump supporters in the area uh, because that's a part of his uh, his base of support as well. And apparently, he came to the conclusion that uh, that the activists in the Democratic uh, uh, Party would be more at play in the primary to come, and so it was probably a safer, shrewder idea not to uh, alienate them. So he voted for the impeachment. Uh, to avoid that as an issue. But, uh, yeah, this is a, a showdown, uh, second second round. And uh, if uh, the, the, the liberals, the lefties, the progressives are definitely lining up behind Marie Newman on this one. So Up next, it's incumbent Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox, now very similar to Marie Newman. Kim Fox has received a handful of big endorsements in her reelection campaign, but that's nothing new. We've talked about that already. But what is new is the recent story involving Kim Fox's campaign contributions. The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Rachel Hinton. Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox is keeping nearly $30,000 in campaign contributions from a 2016 fundraiser hosted by the guy who was busted by the feds for such acts as shaking down a Burger King, the now indicted 14th Ward Alderman Edward Burke. Rachel Hinton goes on to remind us that this is a departure from the approach taken by her political mentor during the mayoral runoff, Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle. But if you were to ask the Kim Fox campaign, they would tell you that this is not true. Fox's (laughs) campaign said it donated the money personally given by Burke and his family to two nonprofit groups. Sylvia Uh, Sylvia Ewing, a spokeswoman for Fox's campaign, said, quote, all of these things are just distractions from the work that Fox is doing, making change and reform to the criminal justice system in her office. The quote from Sylvia Ewing goes on, quote, the money that came from the Burke family was given to two nonprofit organizations. Money collected beyond that was part of uh, her war chest, and she doesn't think that we've done anything wrong in keeping the money that was beyond their personal contribution. Ewing also said the campaign is being, quote, straight up and candid about how the money was distributed, and there's not much more to say beyond that. But 
According to the Sun-Times piece, records from the Illinois State Board of Elections do not show Fox returning the contributions that she received. Ben, do we believe this? And um, if she didn't give the money back to Ed Burke, should she? I don't know if she should give the money back to Ed Burke, but she should show uh, proof that she donated the money to the charities. In other words, the issue is, did she keep the money? And I wouldn't give it back to Ed Burke. Per, why does he need the money? He would just spend it on. First of all, he's not. He would just spend it on his on his defense attorneys, uh, and he's not allowed to do that. We have had Adolfo Mondragon in the studio talking about this uh, quite a bit. Uh, when when Democrats get in trouble in Cook County, they end up spending their um, the campaign money that they raise for their uh, political campaigns on their defense lawyers. Well, that's not the. That's not why people gave it to them. That's a violation of the whole purpose of campaign disclosure laws. So uh, you should not, in my humble opinion, uh, spend your money on your criminal defense uh, uh, needs. And you show, in the case of Ed Burke, now Ed Burke, part of the reason he was so powerful for so many years, uh, Carlos was just talking about this the other day. Carlos Ramirez Rosa was in the show, uh, Alderman from the 35th Ward. You just alluded to it. He did a bonus interview, which... Uh, we'll drop on Monday, I want to say, right, D? And you can check it out on YouTube. Yes, it's on YouTube already. We decided to uh, put it on YouTube. Anyway, um, when when we began the interview, uh, Carlos, it was yesterday, and <clears throat> there had been the last city council meeting before Christmas, and so Carlos was displaying all the presents that the aldermen get from other aldermen. You know, <laughs> there was one for McDonald's. Remember, that was like a little box with a McDonald's? Oh, yeah, yeah. McDonald's gave each alderman a little present, uh, but there was a cup from Walter Burnett, alderman of the 27th Ward, every year. Uh, but wait, I think we have that cup. Is it right here? We have that cup. I'm holding the yeah. cup. <laughs> Walter Burnett gave it to Carlos, and Carlos gave it to us. Thank you, Carlos. It's got anyway, Tootsie Rolls in it. He's got the Tootsie Rolls, yeah. Please tell our guests that. No, don't tell our guests that, because then they'll open up the There you go. There you go. You're figuring it out. Uh, <laughs> Took you long enough. Uh, anyway, so Carlos also t- was talking about the good old days, in quotes, uh, when uh, Ed Burke would really you know, pass out uh, presents to absolutely everybody uh, in the city council. I think it was cufflinks or something like that. Um, and uh, what Carlos was saying, that Ed Burke was establishing himself as sort of like the, the, the big daddy of the Chicago City Council. He takes care of all his little kids. Uh, and part of uh, he, he had a similar reputation. Uh, as soon as someone got elected, he would show up at a fundraiser and drop off a couple hundred dollars uh, to let them know that he supported them now that they were uh, his colleague in the Chicago City Council. Uh, and he was also fundraising for Tony Preckwinkle and apparently Kim Fox. So this is how Ed Burke uh, kept his power. He People, he took care of people this way, gave uh, made contributions, gave presents, and they tended to look the other way at the fact that they figured he was up to no good with his property tax business, where he was using his connections uh, to try to get big tech property tax breaks from downtown property owners, including one, Donald John Trump. All right, it all comes together here. Uh, anyway, Ed Burke has since been disgraced. He's been indicted. He's facing trial. He was still reelected by the voters of the 14th Ward. He's running for reelection as Democratic committeeman. Uh, nobody wants anything to do with him. They certainly don't want to take his uh, campaign donations. Uh, and uh, I, Carlos said he didn't give any gifts yesterday. Uh, he's just a regular alderman in the Chicago City Council. Uh, hardly says anything anymore. And uh, so, yes, Kim Fox, 
Uh, if she wants to maintain any credibility, should not uh, hold on to money that Ed Burke gave her. And uh, she, but in my opinion, she should not return it to Ed Burke. She should show, demonstrate that she donated it to charity. And she said she did, but the records don't show it. We'll have to wait and see uh, what the show the that. receipts. Okay? Show the receipts. Come okay? on, show the receipts. Come on, and put this one to, to rest. Put once it to rest. All. Yeah, that's how I view it. And since we're talking about all this damn dirty corruption in Illinois, the Illinois Gaming Board has moved to strip video gambling operator Rick Heidner of his license after accusing him of offering a $5 million illegal inducement to the owner of a chain of gambling parlors. Oh, I, this story was, this was in the Tribune today. Yeah, yeah. I was reading this one on the train uh, coming in. This is one of those really complicated, convoluted Chicago corruption story. Uh, I don't know if we're really going to have the time to get into it, but the part, this is typical me, the part, <laughs> I'm a little embarrassed to say this, the part that really f got me going was like the, the, the uh, Jason uh, Meisner, who was the writer of the story, did a good job of like showing where all these uh, secret meetings between these uh, operatives were was going down in this story and uh it would be like um like one meeting at this uh, like a coffee shop here or a diner there and the whole time i'm like oh man i'm hungry i wish i was at the diner anyway wheeling and dealing in chicago uh absolute corruption everywhere you go According to the Gaming Board complaint in the Chicago Tribune, the state disciplinary action centers on a deal in which Heidner's Gold Rush Gaming stood to have its gambling machines taken out of 44 spots owned by Laredo Hospitality Ventures. Good Lord, our state is awful. Yeah. <laughs> And, yeah, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, we got one more corruption update. During Wednesday city council meeting, the city council passed an ordinance Wednesday that bans aldermen from being paid lobbyists and prohibits elected officials from outside the city from lobbying in Chicago. This measure was carried by Alderman Matt O'Shea of Benwich Ward. 19. Uh, Come on. And Michelle Smith of which ward? Come on. 43. He's a dork, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> ben, your thoughts on this. Will this help curb any of this? Uh, corruption. I certainly hope so. Although Chicago, where there's a will, there's a way, and it always seems to be a way. But it seems as though at this moment in our history, uh, Chicago is is taking seriously the culture of political corruption that exists in this town and trying to deal with it. And then there's always these little minor flare-ups like the one, and I don't know, you know, I don't know if it, it falls in the category of corruption, but, the you know, the flare-up having to do with Fleisner Gate and the fact that uh, he had the two homeowner exemptions. I don't know if that's as bad as Blake. You know, should I give him some slack, Dean, and say it was a mistake? Man, just, hell no. Okay, okay. <laughs> you say so, I won't do it. All right, I'm just saying. Um, but, there, you know, there there is a perfect... And then this other thing, the Bat Cave. We haven't talked about this yet, D. This is so Chicago, and uh, this this is this this gets to the heart of Chicago. So, all right, the, the Bat Cave is an express lane that go connects down, downtown Chicago uh, to McCormick Place. I didn't even know it existed. It's a lane that's restricted to only a, a, a relative handful of people. The intention of it, according to what I read in the newspaper, is to make it easier for people, conventioneers, to get from McCormick Place to the downtown. They're in an early hurry. So they keep regular traffic off this lane, uh, and uh, you could zip like your Christian Bale uh, in Ford versus Ferrari. And it turns out that it's also available not just to conventioneers, but uh, to uh, people with clout. 
So old Fleisner, the uh, lawyer for Lori Lightfoot, had access to the Batcave for, you know, for his condo uh, in the South Loop. I don't think there's a Batcave connecting Naperville uh, to downtown Chicago, but maybe there is. I just don't know about it, D. I didn't know about this other Batcave. Uh, Miles has entered the studio. Miles has entered the studio. Anyway, so uh, it, there's this... So just the existence of the Batcave, and I think Rom gave it the nickname the Batcave because it's enclosed. What a clever guy Rom is, huh? Oh, yeah. Uh, he came up with that nickname. Uh, so, But just the existence of the Batcave just sort of symbolizes the uh, corruption in Chicago. It's it's not just the blatant corruption where you pay somebody off. It's that some people have an advantage that the overwhelming majority of people do not have. Like, nobody wants to sit in traffic all day. Nobody wants to have to be stuck behind a truck uh, on Lakeshore Drive or, or uh, the Kennedy. You wouldn't be stuck behind a truck on Lakeshore Drive. You wouldn't want to just be waste your uh, time idling in traffic. So... Those with clout, right on the Batcave, straight downtown, and uh, you know the uh, it's 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 kind of it's very Chicago. It's uh, it still exists, but Fleisner at least gave up his. I saw this. He no longer will have access to the Batcave. He voluntarily gave it up. So uh, yeah, so that's that's how things go in Chicago. D. It's like the little signs of clout that bleed into the bigger aspects of corruption where people think they are entitled to things uh, that they're not really entitled to when they think they can get away with rules uh, because they're above the rules, to quote you, rules for thee, but not for me. All right, uh, shout-out to Michael on the YouTube live stream chat. Uh, he's calling BS, Ben. He says, you're making this Batcave crap up. <laughs> I wish I were. Batcave, it's in today's uh, my bright one. Or was it the Tribune? One of the others said that, uh, Miles, have you heard about the Batcave? Yeah, that's, uh, that's what Trump took when he was in town most recently, right, to avoid all the protests that kind of um, back way into the McCormick Center yeah. for, straight from the airport. Did so, not know that. It's basically so that, you you know, all these elected officials and powerful people never have to face the public whatsoever. Yeah, I'm trying to look for it in today's Tribune or sometimes there was a story about Fleischner giving up. It the, speeds all these people back and forth between all these, uh, yeah. you know, Well, the uh, real question organs is, has Rom ever ridden his bike in the bad game? <laughs> Can't ride a bike in the bad oh, game. Oh, he loves riding his bike. Uh, I just biked around Lake Michigan. Yeah, so whoever it was that was complaining, uh, no, I'm telling you, there is a thing called a bat cave. And, We've uh, never been in it. We don't. We're not, yeah. We don't get the. Insight. I'm trying to look for the story. To, it was. I think it was in the Tribune or the Sun. I can't remember. I read it in the train coming in. I was not on the Bad Cave. Who 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 was saying that we made up the Bad Cave? What's his name? Michael. Michael. I was not on the Bad Cave. I've never been on the Bad Cave, so I have no personal experience of the Bad Cave. But uh, according to my beloved, the Bad Cave is very real. You can see it from uh, if you. I think if you're like near the uh, Art Institute and where the you know there's the train yard. There, oh, I think the there's Bat a little Cave bit of exposed. Along. Okay, I didn't. Yeah. Well, things I'm learning. Anyway. Did you find the article? No, I didn't find it. We'll take <laughs> a break and I'll find the article. All right, so that's what's going on in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. Of course, we'll keep you posted on these stories as today's program rolls along. And with the new year comes a crap load of new laws in the state of Illinois. So many, in fact, it's a little overwhelming. But thanks to the recent work of our good friends at WTTW Chicago, 
I mean, I say good friends, but we really only know Mark Bazer from the interview show. They seem pretty cool, though. But thanks to WTTW, we have a list of the laws that you should know. There's 20 of them. And today on the program, we'll go through, I don't know, maybe one or two. It's the 20 new laws of 2020 coming up later on in the Ben Jarofsky show. People don't go anywhere. We're taking a short little break. And after that short little break, our good friend from In These Times magazine, Miles Camp Lassen, is back to talk progressive politics. It's the Ben Jarofsky show live from the Chicago Sun-Times. The Ben Jarofsky Show is supported by Northwestern University's part-time master's program in literature and liberal studies. Students learn from dynamic and diverse faculty as they build advanced skills for critical analysis, writing, and research. Evening classes are held on Northwestern's Evanston and Chicago campuses. The spring quarter application deadline is January 15th. Learn more at sps.northwestern.edu slash masters. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture, food, arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. Man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U, E, L, P, I, A, N, I, S, T, dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. Ben, please stop talking about the Bulls. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky <laughs> Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Miles Scott in the studio. Another big Bulls fan. Uh, we're not allowed to talk about the Bulls, but they did win last night. How about that? Did you see that? I didn't see it, but I heard it. O- OT Thriller. Huh? It was unbelievable. Even I had given up all hope, yeah. and they won it with uh, half a second left. Our fourth quarter uh, crumbling Bulls have found some backbone, maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. We, we a- After today's show, we'll be doing a roundtable about the Bulls, but <laughs> not for a bonus feature, but we're not allowed to talk about them now, right, D? You're damn right. All right we are allowed to talk about impeachment. And by the way, uh, young Michael, is that his name? Yeah. I was looking at the wrong newspaper. Here it is, right here, ladies and gentlemen. There you City's go. City's top lawyer gives up Batcave Road Pass. I was like, well, I was like gaslighting myself. I was like, I saw the article about the Batcave when I was coming in, but it's not in any of the newspapers. I thought it was in the Tribune, Miles, but I was looking at the Tribune and I couldn't find it. I was like, 
Did I make it up? Our host, Am I losing my mind? And then I discovered I was looking at the wrong Tribune. Well, hearing the paper shuffling does really make you understand how the, the real analog feel of this show. I, you know, I, we're not... <laughs> We're not cruising through any digital archives no, man. here. And, and to, and to I open the show by reading uh, this opus from young Johnny Cass from the 90s where he was defending um, uh, the impeachment of Bill Clinton and yeah. urging everybody to uh, vote for the impeachment of Bill Clinton on the grounds that there was he, he said morally offensive. We should impart these lessons to our children who will be horrified to grow up uh, with all these um, hypocrisies in their life. Uh, of course, it's an absolute reverse of everything he's saying now. But to get to that article... Somebody had sent it to me. I had to go on my phone. And that's even more precarious, Miles, than the, the newspaper. Because my phone keeps, it, go, it goes out. I'm like, I'm reading it, and all of a sudden, it just goes dark. <laughs> oh, Miles, I'll have you know, I had the Popeye's chicken sandwich. I tried oh, you it. you did? Yeah. Tell me about it. Oh, it was great. I, uh, good, right? It was Saturday. It was like 4 in the afternoon. I had plans. I ate it. Uh, then next Sounds thing like I know, chicken time to me. Well, I, the next thing I know, I woke up. It was 1030 at night. <laughs> I passed out after eating the chicken sandwich. Wow. Well, yeah, that was one of the highlights of the year. We should do a, a Miles highlight of the year. Uh, it was really, we had fun with it, but he, yeah, Miles, you're making a very compelling point about how uh, Popeyes was rolling in the dough, but they weren't sharing it. Uh, they with still are, and we see it, you know, more, again and again. This There was this case recently where, um, you know, there was an employee, I think it was in Texas, who brought their kid to work to deal with the deluge of customers and that got on air and the and the the worker got fired understandably we have child labor laws in this country but you know no popeyes you know shareholders or administrators faced any um uh, responsibility for that, for the fact that they can't, they have not hired enough workers to deal with. Wait, the, they, 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 I want to understand this. The worker brought in his kid to help? Yeah. And so he was like packaging sandwiches and that got caught on footage. This young kid, like 12 years old or something, which obviously you can't have. But, you know, the only person who got any consequences for that was the, was worker, the worker who was making minimum wage. Meanwhile, you know, the people, the profits just keep going up and up. So, you know, the story is still with us. Rules for thee, not for me. <laughs> All right. I'm going to really resist the temptation to talk about uh, Mark Flesner, the City Corporation Council, who had a property in Naperville and property in the South Loop, and move on to impeachment. Far greater crimes, far greater consequences for the country. Uh, the While we were on the show yesterday and uh, into the evening, the, uh, the Congress voted to impeach Donald John Trump. Where it goes from here is anybody's guess, and we'll probably be talking about this, all kinds of experts, like how are the Democrats <laughs> going to deal with this in the Senate? Uh, the, the chess game that's going to go on between Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi. Uh, David Ferris will be coming on the show tomorrow. This is his expertise, folks. Looking forward to that conversation. But what are your general thoughts on the impeachment? Well, I think what we saw, I mean, obviously, this is a huge, um, uh, you know, development in our nation's history. This is only the third president ever to be uh, impeached. And in the response to it, I think, really shows the, it's not just a partisan divide, but kind of how the different factions in Washington are dealing with the fact that we've got, you know, a president right now who has been impeached over very serious crimes. And, you know, you know, earlier in the show, you were talking about, you know, these crybaby Republicans. And it's certainly true in the in some cases. I mean, there's this guy, Barry Loudermilk. You probably saw the Georgia Republican who said Trump's being treated worse than Jesus. You know, it's pretty uh, <laughs> excessive claim. But um, at the same time, I mean, the 
the Democrats were very focused on treating this as a very somber affair, and they kept saying it's a sad day. It's what you kept hearing, and Nancy Pelosi dressed like she's going to a funeral. You know, you saw this across the Democratic caucus, all these black outfits yesterday, and trying to say, you know, this is a sad day. Um, after the gavel came down, you saw some Democrats uh, cheering and uh, Pelosi, you know, now famously kind of uh, gestured to them to stop, you know, to keep this as serious as possible. Um, and so they're not reveling in this, at least outwardly, um, which, you know, that's how they're choosing to play this. Meanwhile, Trump was in Michigan yesterday and uh, he said, I hope you're having as good of a time as I am with this. You know, he's it's not just uh, deflecting. He's just embracing and saying, look, this is, you know, this is impeachment light. This isn't even a real thing. I'm going to keep on keeping on and, you know, pander to the supporters. And he was just riffing. He was mm-hmm. doing shtick. He was like talking about why people don't have water in their showers and just like making nonsensical Claims very different from Bill Clinton, who you brought up earlier, you know, who was apologized and obviously took it very seriously. There were five Democrats that voted to impeach Bill Clinton. Of course, no Republicans voted to uh, impeach Donald Trump. Not even all Democrats did. So it's a very different kind of state of affairs now. I think that, you know, partially because it was seen as a foregone conclusion, I think that the House was going to. Uh, ultimately take this vote. But I mean, I'm looking at the headlines right now on your papers. It's, I mean, this is a, a historic event in that he's impeached. The question of like how that's going to play out and the politics of it, I think, are going very differently than the Democrats probably expected them to go a few months ago. Well, that's a valid point. I, I don't think the Democrats, and this is uh, why Nancy Pelosi, among many reasons, she's so reluctant. She's a very cautious uh, political player, a uh, very savvy chess player and is always aware of like how one move affects another move and, and very Michael Madigan like in how she wants to protect each of her caucus members. Or you could say that Michael Madigan is very Nancy Pelosi like in how he wants to protect his caucus members. So uh, as soon as she came to the conclusion that politically she had no choice but to drive his impeachment for a couple of reasons. Number one, Trump was so freaking defiant in, in terms of his attitude toward Congress, uh, in ter- his attitude toward laws, he continually uh, asking foreign nations to uh, interject themselves in the, the election process on his behalf. At some point, Democrats have to take a stand, or are they just going to let, let this guy just continue to walk all over them? So as soon as she f- made that move, Miles, you lose control. She lost control of things, because this is what I was getting at. I don't know how this is going to play out. I don't know, for instance, right now, at least before I went on the studio, it wasn't clear whether they were, um, when they were going to actually send the matter over to the Senate for the Senate to have uh, conduct the trial and what the ground rules of the trial would be. Uh, it, it seems that even the Republicans are a little split on this, where Donald Trump, uh, he, he wants to turn it into a real circus where he can bring in 100 <laughs> Hunter, Hunter Biden's son, I mean, uh, Joe Biden's son, Hunter, and yeah. put the focus on the Democrats. And then he, 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 you're right. He embraces this moment as an opportunity to go on the road and do his shtick. And, uh, you know, the longer that takes, the more court cases are going to be on issues like who has to testify, yeah. uh, whether subpoenas will be honored, can be... Well, in terms of the in terms of the timeline, I agree. I think that this is, we are in unknown territory. I mean, pretty much all of this could have been, so far, could have been pre-conceived you know conceived or even you know preordained. The, the fact that we are going to see a Democratic majority who 
controls the House vote with their caucus, because clearly Nancy Pelosi was leading this charge to to do this. The question now is what is going to happen um, next. Clearly, the Senate will vote to acquit him, because the, the Republicans control the Senate. They have no... Um, they have no reason to go against their president, who is incredibly popular amongst the Republican base. And Mitch McConnell has said he's not going to allow any witnesses to testify that the Democrats are demanding. These are people like, you know, John Bolton and even Rudy Giuliani. Um, so in the face of that, that's what you heard Nancy Pelosi say. We're not going to send these articles to the Senate until we can get a fair trial. That, to me, I mean, there is a very strong case to be made, I see, of just, you know, don't send them because what are we going to, how are we going to, you know, if we know what's going to happen in the Senate, we're just going to repeat what just happened in the House where you have two people, two different political uh, parties arguing completely different in different worlds. You know, if you watched uh, Nunes or Jim Jordan yesterday during the debate on the floor, they were not grappling with the specifics of what, you know, Democrats are alleging that mm -hmm. Trump did. And it's not even that they're defending the president. They're just saying, no, this is, you know, it's a partisan witch hunt. This is just, you know, Ukraine is Russia 2.0. They've been trying to reverse the Democratic mandate that uh, the American people sent when they voted in Trump since his election in 2016. They'll never get over this. This is all it amounts to. They're trying to take away your voice yeah. as, a, as a voter. And they're going to keep saying that yeah. in the uh, in the Senate. So it's not as if there will be any, new, especially if no witnesses are allowed. I mean, in the Clinton trial, of course, there are witnesses. If there's not, if McConnell will not allow any, what good does it do Democrats to actually have this? And, you know, from a lefty perspective, I'd say all that that will mean is that Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, the two leading senators, will be off of the trail. They won't be able to be campaigning yeah. in Iowa, in New Hampshire, anywhere. They'll have to be six days a week in U.S. Congress to go through this trial where we already know what's going to happen. So that could be part of the reason that you know Pelosi is playing coy about when she's going to send them. Because the whole thing was saying, we want this to be a quick impeachment process. I think if that was true, they would send them now. But I just don't really see what the Democrats have to gain, especially now you look at the polls, it's 48-48 about, you know, uh, impeach and remove. The country's as divided as ever. I don't think that the House inquiry really solved that. Yeah. Uh, well, n no, it absolutely did not uh, uh, solve that in any way. Uh, and that, again, I keep hammering in the hypocrisy of the Republican Party. The, the, the one thing I will say about what impeachment has done, uh, in my opinion anyway, is uh, shredded any... Uh, notion that there's bipartisanship in this country yeah. uh and now there's still some democrats who preach it and tonight we'll be talking about the debates i guarantee you some democrat on that stage whether it's joe biden or amy klobuchar is amy klobuchar on the stage yeah. i can't remember yeah we'll talk about the need for bipartisanship even though the, it doesn't exist uh in in any real way but the the two diametrically opposed positions that the Republicans and Democrats have taken on impeachment show that there really is no meeting of the minds whatsoever. There's like, you're right. The Republicans are like having a party. Donald Trump's having a party in Michigan. Yeah. Uh, and the Democrats are wearing black and very somber about this. It's like the two, they're two separate planets. Yeah. 
Exactly. And I think that that's just going to continue in the Senate. I cannot imagine there would be any, you know, people will say, oh, Susan Collins or Mitt Romney, there's going to be some of these moderates are going to pull off. There's no, you know, there, there's no reason or indicator to believe that either of them would vote to convict this president right now. Um, so I don't see what the, you know, political benefit is. And understandably, I mean, the focus has been this is principle. This is about, you know, this president has violated the Constitution. We have to hold him to account. I understand that. And I feel like that's, you know, what most Americans who believe in the rule of law and believe, you know, we are a country of, uh, you know, processes and everything would uh, buy into. But then at the same time, I mean, there's so many things that he could have been impeached for that they didn't include in these articles of impeachment. The articles were so narrow that they focused wholly on Ukraine, which understandably for folks like you and I, you know, we see how clearly this was a betrayal of, you know, the oath of office. But most people are not moved by withholding military aid to a country. And so if you just keep going on those issues in the Senate, when most people care about, uh, you know, a litany of Trump's other crimes, or they care about popular demands like higher wages and more money for education and universal health care if all the debate is just um, stuck about arguing over Ukraine which most people most voters don't feel you know reflects their interests I don't see how that helps to advance you know a progressive politics in this country or a, a democratic well, agenda well you're you're uh, starting to sound like your your partner in crime Mike uh, Micah was on the show yesterday and we had a great debate between Micah and Monroe on uh, impeachment and Micah was articulating uh, a very of a, a standard leftist point of view uh, that this is, doesn't help the Democrats uh, in the election. Uh, I, I actually disagree with him. I think it does. It puts a it puts a spotlight on Donald Trump. And I think Donald Trump, one way or another, will be the chief issue yeah. uh, in the 2016 election. So, I agree. But I do think that the question about whether, you know, we're talking about Donald Trump's relationship to working people in this country versus his legitimacy as a president is very where, you know, there will be a divide. And if we're focusing on the latter, which is, you know, whether he's corrupt, whether he's uh, you know, he's somehow illegitimate. The Republicans are going to seize on that and say exactly what they've been saying in the House, which is that they're the Democrats are trying to relitigate 2016. They're trying to take away the Democratic mandate, which I know it's very we're very different countries. But what you saw happen in the UK with the defeat of the Labour Party, I think, was that the Tories, the conservatives, very uh, deftly and successfully employed that same type of argument about uh, having another referendum over Brexit by saying, look, you all voted for this. They want to redo that. They want to take away your voice. And I think that was a strong reason that people really abandoned the Labor Party. I think if the Democrats are running strictly on, you know, we got to take this president out when versus we have to defeat him because he's betrayed working people on issue after issue, I think it's going to be a harder case. Well, to, I'm going to, gonna, be made. I, I'll draw a big distinction. There was no mandate in the 2016 election. And this is, the, this is my point. I've been raising ever since Donald Trump didn't even win the popular vote. It was a divided vote. And uh, if there was any honesty in the way we run politics, uh, they would have treated it as a, uh, a divided vote. And there would have been much more respect toward bipartisan issues Instead, Donald Trump ruled, and George Bush did the same thing in twenty in two thousand and one when he took office. Again, he didn't win the popular vote either. He ruled as though the election was a mandate. The election was not a mandate, and uh, so on one. So he stuffed. You know, all his nominees are pushing through like this hardcore Republican uh, uh, agenda, including hammering away at health care and union rights. In fact, to to your point. Yesterday, lost in the impeachment was a court ruling that upheld a lower court's ruling 
overturning Obamacare. People are facing a serious crisis in this country about health care. Donald Trump's uh, Justice Department is defending uh, the effort to undo Obamacare. And you're right. So to a certain degree, impeachment is a distraction from that very real issue. So the challenge is for the Democrats to point both things out. To refocus. I think that that's true. I mean, this appeals court ruled against the individual mandate and the ACA. This is, goes to the heart of the Affordable Care Act. If that is, you know, carried out, then that will dismantle this entire project. And I think that that is a key point that people should be debating. And because and, everything, you know, you hear from Joe Biden is we got to protect and expand Obamacare. Well, if the individual individual mandate is taken away, which it looks like it's going to be, then we can't just start from there. You know, you need to re-approach how you deal with health care in America. And I will just say, I mean, uh, pivoting to the debate, the reason I think that it's important that, you know, we'd not get let uh, impeachment eclipse other issues is because the Democrats agree. Like, the, you know, the last debate, you had 15 minutes to start out the debate talking about impeachment, but they all basically said the same thing, you know, that this president deserves to be impeached. If that's true, then maybe the debate should be about other things. Otherwise, it's just a place to, you know, have somebody on as like a pundit, you know, yeah. to say what their opinion is. But if they're not disagreeing with one another, then I don't see the, you know, how that advances the argument or clarifies the differences between the candidates, which should really be the role of these debates. All right. One candidate who will not be on the stage tonight uh, is Tulsi Gabbard, the congresswoman from Hawaii. Uh, she voted present uh, uh, in the, on the impeachment vote uh, yesterday. What's your thoughts? I have some strong opinions in that, but I'm just curious what your thoughts are about Tulsi Gabbard uh, voting present. Uh. <laughs> well, uh, that, you know, one, one person that spoke out about this, and I mentioned this to you before, is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who mm -hmm. uh, clearly supported impeachment and voted for it. And she said, look, this does not... Uh, you got to vote. You got to take a stand. Either vote for it or vote against it. Um, voting president seems like you know under that uh, situation. You know she's running for president. She's kind of the outsider candidate in many ways, or is trying to take on that mantle. This seems like maybe a ploy to get some attention in that way. I saw an interview with her this morning explaining it, and what she said is, you know, somebody has to take a stand for the center. To me, I feel like that's you know, I don't know what the, the center would vote present. I don't know. I don't know if that's really, you know, computes for how the, if you're trying to speak for some type of uh, unspoken for community that has views on impeachment, I think most people, as I said, you know, in Iowa, less than 6% of people say impeachment is their number one uh, concern. And across the country, these candidates are going and campaigning and the voters are not talking about impeachment. Yeah. You know, they're talking about their, their daily lives, their concerns and everything. So I understand, you know, kind of what she's trying to get at in a way and saying like, this is not, this should not be what we're all focusing on. But by voting present, she's not really taking a stand. She said she can't vote against it because the president's a criminal, but she can't vote for it because it's just this <laughs> partisan gridlock. Well, I, I do personally think that impeachment is kind of meant to be partisan yeah. in a way because because if it was not partisan, there would be other ways in which to hold a president to account. But because of the nature of our, you know, weird democratic system in the Senate, we have, you know, representatives who uh, have to carry out democratic mandates, but yet are elected only by small minorities. And it's, you know, it's very difficult to find any 
logical way to deal with uh, impeachment processes. So I don't think that that uh, argument on her part totally makes sense because it's there is partisan divide. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, and her voting president, I don't think, did anything to lessen that divide. Well, uh, my next guest, Jeff Johnson, is standing right here. And uh, I'm going to give him a I, I'm looking forward to having a little discussion with Jeff about voting present uh, as a. <laughs> It is so weak. I mean, whenever anybody in Springfield votes present on a measure, everybody laughs at them. Are you kidding me? You You remember that was a huge talking point against Obama when he was running for Senate initially, was all of when his state Senate present votes, and then later when he was running for president. So this is a weak sauce, man. (laughs) Bring it one way or the other. Take a stand. You know, this, well, I don't know. (laughs) I mean, just take a stand. Vote no. You You don't think he should be impeached? Take us to say it. Well, the other thing that she's done now is she did just introduce these censure measures in the House as well. To... That's weak sauce, too, man. <laughs> God, that's even weaker than voting present. I mean, censure. Are you kidding me? No. So she's already introduced that. And that's her, you know, that's kind of her tack that she's taking on this. But as you said, she's not going to be on the debate stage. So, you know, all the people on there already support impeachment, obviously. So it kind of seems like, understandably, we want to acknowledge that this happened. This is a massive, you know, uh, development in our country's history. It'll be written in the history books. It'll always be, you know, a tag around Donald Trump's neck as a president that he was impeached. But in terms of actually pushing back on the type of really retrograde and regressive, uh, deeply far-right policies that he's pushing and that he's carrying out both through, you know, whether it's tax cuts, whether it's judges, or whether it's, you know, this uh, horrible immigration state he's he's uh, funneling money into. There's plenty of ways that this president is, I think, betraying his oath of office that he, you know, got elected to do, even though it was not by a majority of citizens. Um, and yet the the singular focus on impeachment can, I think, detract from these other larger fights and detract from putting forward a positive platform. I mean, one of the good things that the Democratic House has done is voted forward this uh, $15 minimum wage. But you never hear about that. You know, you don't have Democrats making as big of an issue out of we need to pay American workers $15 an hour across the board. I think that's a much stronger message to come out of uh, ahead of these 2020 elections by saying, look, this is what we're putting our energy yeah. into right now. And I think that would just like breed more success because then people think, oh, these people are standing up for me rather than just they're fighting. You know, because yeah. I think the right will always win that. When people look at the political system and they think, oh, it's corrupt, the right is way more ap- adept at being able to take advantage of that. And Trump is pr- possibly the best person um, at turning it into a game of saying, I'm the only honest one. These are these people are all corrupt. They're all in the swamp. They're all fighting with one another. So I think the more you get into that fight, the, the more you seed ground. That's my concern. It's not even that, you know, I think that that's the way to, you know, take the country far to the left. I just think that's the only way that you're going to actually come out of this fight without, uh, you know, some some losses under your belt. And I'm, that's definitely a concern, considering the fact that I think that the, the I know the hope was for Democrats that through this impeachment process, the public testimony in the House, you'd see these poll numbers change and you'd see more and more people come on board onto impeachment and removal. And that just well, that's happened. OK. There's two issues. There's the political issue. Uh, which is what you were getting at, that Democrats would hope that impeachment would uh, be a weapon to be work against Donald Trump. And then I take very seriously this issue. I may be the only person in this room who takes it seriously. But the contempt with which Donald Trump has treated Congress is a violation of the separation of powers. And if you allow your president just to put two middle fingers up in the air every step of the way, then you're just saying, why even have a Congress? 
If, if, if the Congress is subpoenaing witnesses and he says, no, you don't have to answer those subpoenas. If Congress is subpoenaing uh, reports or inside, no, you, then, then why? You have no authority. You're just a rubber stamp. You're like the Chicago City Council. And uh, I don't know if the Chicago City Council is a model we should follow in Washington. Interesting what Jeff Johnson has to say about that. I mean, they do pass things. Yeah. So you, But some of the things they pass, we don't want. You know, and you, you do want discussion. Like I thought yesterday, I'll probably be talking about this with Jeff, but yesterday's reefer revolt resulted in an, a promise, a commitment uh, to you know, have more minorities get a piece of the reefer pie when it becomes legal. So you could say a little debate, a little dissension, f- force the city uh, to change its policies. It's a good, healthy thing, discussion and debate. But if you have a president of the United States who just consistently says to Congress, I don't have to abide by anything you say, then we don't really have a democracy. So I take that as a very serious... Uh, a very serious challenge to our um, our democracy, and I'm very I'm really disappointed. And I know this sounds uh, naive, but I'll say it anyway. I'm disappointed with r- r- conservatives who sh- should be upholding uh, these traditions. J- Listen, Clinton committed perjury. Do you take perjury serious? I mean, that's. A, that's a real important question, and the Republicans had a valid point on that. They could say, well, the perjury Bill Clinton committed back in the 1990s had nothing to do with being president. It was dragged out of him, out of all these ceaseless— Every argument that the Republicans are making about uh, what the Democrats are doing to Clinton, I mean, to Trump, could have been made in the 90s. But perjury is perjury, so you have to take— don't you agree with me that you well, have to I agree take- with you. I think that the question for me is more how politics is a game of power and how are you going to influence? Uh, and, and by doing this, it's, you know, not just symbolic. Obviously, this is a real, um, you know, they've passed impeachment. Impe- the, Donald Trump has been officially impeached. And one of the reasons was, um, you know, he was uh, abusing his power and he was, uh, you know, uh, not sending any witnesses to Congress. He was not following the orders of Congress. That is a way to hold somebody accountable. And yet it doesn't change anything because there's still no witnesses that are going to testify in the Senate. So in the, you know, in the, in the, equilibrium of power, the, the right is still winning. So the only way you're going to actually take away the power from these Republicans, I don't think, I think we can be disappointed in them all we want, but Mitch McConnell said when Obama was elected, his number one goal yes, was to did. make him one-term president, and he refused to have hearings from Merrick Garland. You're these right. Republicans are playing serious when it comes to power, and when Democrats say, I wish you you know, would follow you know, the norms more, they're not actually taking power back from the Republicans and they're not putting the country on a different trajectory. And the only way to do that is to get Trump out of office and have a mandate for a very different direction. I think like that longer goal is what has to be the North Star, not just how are we going to, you know, have the, this president reckon with his crimes because he's not reckoning with it. He's bragging about them yeah, in, in Michigan. Yeah. So that's that's very different. And, you know, Democrats is difficult because they just voted for this uh, National Defense Authorization Act, which was a huge military budget giveaway. You know, 188 Democrats in the House supported it. They also just made a deal with Trump on NAFTA 2.0. So on these other issues, you know, it doesn't seem as if this president is such a, um, you know, singularly villainous uh, entity. He's also somebody that they're making deals with and and passing budgets for. So it's harder to, like, have it both ways. I think it's much stronger when you just say, look, the— 
president has a very different vision for the country than what we want to see, and we are going to say exactly the things we are going to do, whether that's instituting universal health care or canceling student debt, things that are going to impact people's lives in a way that they don't see what is happening on Congress right now impacting their lives. All right. Very good, Miles. Uh, Appreciate it very much. we got Jeff Johnson on deck. We're going to bring him on. Have a very Merry Christmas. Thank you very much. Where can people follow you and find you? Talk about your latest work. Yeah. uh, (laughs) InTheseTimes.com. You can find me on Twitter at at Miles K. Lassen. Um, Yeah. uh, Please uh, follow my work and uh, I Hopefully, everybody can get engaged in the political process. This is going to be, you know, the, uh, the holidays, obviously, is a time people be with their families and everything. As soon as the holidays are over, you know, the, uh, the our primary here is March 17th. So there's it's, not much time before, you know, we're actually going to be selecting a new nominee for uh, president. Absolutely. Debates tonight. I mean, if you're uh, a political junkie and everybody in this room is a political junkie, uh, this <laughs> this is feeding time coming yeah. up uh, the next few weeks. Yeah. All right, Miles, uh, have a great Merry Christmas, as I said. Jeff Johnson's on deck. We'll bring him on when we come back. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. It's Chicagoland's adult entertainment playground. It's the world-famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter.